Good evening. Welcome to Lost in the Long Box for Wednesday, November 20th. Uh, I'm your host, Randall. I got my uh, partners in crime here. Enos. Tommy. Madman working the boards. Can you turn up the gain on my uh, headset just a little bit here? Because I'm not hearing myself. It's the first. Follow the wire, man. Work with me. <laughs> Thank you very much. All right, there you I go. I get up Perfect. to 11, Enos. Right. <laughs> y- you know, he, did, he didn't get that joke several months ago when I said turn up to 11. Like, they don't go to 11. I'm thinking, I got to talk to this boy. Uh, <laughs> someday we're going to have to... Um, for a patron, do videos of the stuff that goes on before the show. And some of the conversations that we have here, like the one just before where I told Tommy, <laughs> picture didn't happen. And that's all yeah. I'm going with that one. Yeah. So. Oh, have we'll mercy. These two. <laughs> um, how was everybody's weekend? Pretty good. Not long enough, but it was a good one. I, well, actually, I worked this weekend, so. Well, it sucks to be you. Yeah, oh, no, that's an OT, man. I'm going to put it on there. It's money. Today was actually really good for me, and, and I just realized now that I'm broadcasting, I can't say why today was good for me, because the wrong parties might hear it, and then I'll have to answer for it tomorrow. But oh, yeah. <laughs> Tommy already knows the story. Um, so we're going to get to some news items. I have a special one for you that I know you want to comment on. I'm saving it for last. Yes, sir. Um, because you and I both know what it is, and... Mm-hmm. Most of the uh, comic industry should know out there also. Um, CW has released first photos of Kevin Conroy's Bruce Wayne for the upcoming Arrowverse crossover. And the photos makes it look like he is the one from the Kingdom Come universe because right. he's wearing the armor in it. Ah. Right. So that should be pretty awesome. I can't actually wait to see that. I think they're filming it now because isn't it supposed to air next month? I believe well, so. Yeah. yeah. It was in the next month. So, and I also believe there's a shot that shows like three Clark Kents together, um, all in the same shot. So, and holding true to his uh, threat from many years ago, Tom Welling is not putting on a Superman costume. I think he's just going to be there as Clark Kent. So, oh. <laughs> I'm sorry to say this, but I'm not disappointed. I, you know, <laughs> back when Smallville was first going, yeah, I wanted it, but not. Yeah. I mean, you ain't wore it all this long, hey. Right. I, I'm What's the point now? Right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Let Brandon Ralph keep wearing it. So Mark Guggenheim, producer of Arrow, um, has basically confirmed for us that the new series Arrow and the Canaries that will be taking the place of the regular Arrow series is going to be set in 2040. Oh, wow. Oh. So, And that leads speculation that it is probably going to be um, Mia Smoke, their daughter. Ah, okay. So let's go ahead and really just uh, take the mythos, smash them all up, and throw them into the grave. So it's safe to say that Stephen Amell is not even going to be part of this. Uh, mm, I don't don't hold me on this, but I want to say his character's dead when that show I, I, takes I hope place. So. Because now remember, sense that he in, be in season seven, he ends up in the future because he's coming back from the future in um, the Arrowverse crossover, the Crisis right. on Infinite Earths. So yes, right. I think I do remember reading his character is supposed to be dead. Right. So I read this this news item today, and this one actually made me chuckle. So I gotta have to mention this. So Marvel sent a cease and desist letter. To New York City Council member Ben Callos, <laughs> apparently was using some company images in his campaign. Oh, wow. <laughs> and they're like, no, I don't think so. So according to what I'm understanding, um, as part of his campaign for the Manhattan Borough President, um, he did, um, I guess, a, a tweet for a superhero alert asking for donations. And in the email, it had a picture of him dressed as Captain America and the phrase, he, can't, he can do this all day. Oh, my God. <laughs> Which Marvel turned around and said, excuse us. <laughs> So, <laughs> We'd like to have a little talk with you. I, I love the fact that Marvel said, uh, no, no, no. It says, well, they don't want to be seen as supporting any political agenda, and kudos to them for that. So. Right. I mean, well, that's when you're, when you're a business, that's like the smart thing to do. Because, oh, yeah. Well, was it Michael Jordan said he didn't endorse a candidate because Republicans buy shoes too? Right, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> that's like, it reminds me of that old episode of Justice League uh, Unlimited when Lex Luthor's running for president. And Captain Marvel makes a mistake of talking about him on the air. And the, the, t- the head seven call him in. And, like, we don't make comments because when you do, it makes it look like we're uh, endorsing Lex right. Luthor. And we don't do that for any candidate. And so it's a great episode. We're going to have to have an episode of uh, favorite Justin Leganimated episodes. Oh, yeah. So, so got that. Also, finally, finally, a Valentine comic that even Mad Men can get behind. Um, oh, Lord, I'm dying to hear about this. DC solicitations for February, they are putting out a one-shot called, a one-shot, bleh, called Crimes of Passion. Right. Uh, it's got a really great cover by Yasmin 
Yasmin Petri on it. I didn't put that on our Facebook page. I should probably do that. But it's basically, it's going to be like 10 stories, all of the classic passion, betrayal, murder type of things. And I'm like, you know what? I, can, I think even Mad Men would like that one. Probably not. But, <laughs> because I know Mad Men hates Valentine's Day. Oh, I do. So, <laughs> but, but can't you get, don't you like the old um, crime noir type of thing, which is what they're going to be basing this on. It'll be the whole, she shot him because she loved him type of deal. Yeah, I mean, all you have to do is go out in the real world, in the real dating world, and realize how dangerous it is. I oh, mean, yeah. Wow. So. I mean, that, I, don't, I don't need reminders of how, uh, how, uh, how common it is that relationships fall apart in a very, very bad way. Right. And, and how you easily can just get swiped to the left. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, Event Leviathan just ended last week. Um, which those of you who haven't read it, I'm not going to spoil it because I know Tommy is among the ones who haven't finished issue six yet. Uh, but DC has already announced in February they're doing a Leviathan Dawn one-shot, um, which will be reuniting the Leviathan team of Brian Michael Bendis and Alex Malov. Uh, but Bendis also did say there's going to be several more Leviathan series coming in 2020. So that just tells me that, yes, Leviathan actually was a big hit, which if you did read Leviathan, I can tell you just like Deceased, it, it pretty much ends not on a cliffhanger, but is very open-ended so that you know there's got to be a sequel coming. Speaking of sequels, Tommy just told me, and I didn't even know this, Deceased, which ended a couple weeks ago, has been announced for a sequel as well. Yep. Um, probably, and I'm just kidding, one of the best zombie stories I've ever read, even though the first issue left me flat, and I'm thinking, oh, great, it's a zombie story, but I hung with it, and it was just actually fantastic. Now, you said that was about the more of the anti-life equation than right. anything else. Right, the anti-life equation is actually the zombie virus. Right? Ah, okay. Because it originates from Apocalypse. Cyborg brings it back with them. Oh, uh, which, by the way, I'm going to skip ahead just a little bit for new releases. Supposedly, the hardcover collection that came out today, so if you did not read the series, run to your shop and grab the hardcover. Definitely. It, it was an excellent series. Yeah, I, I, Tommy and I were talking. Even though I have all six issues, I'm probably still going to go out and buy the hardcover just so I can reread it and not have to unbag and board those things. Yes, it is that good. Sorry. Yeah, a fantastic ending. Never saw it coming. Oh, yeah. that <laughs> God, that ending. You're just still... It, it is a classic, oh, my God, type of endings. Um, Marble Unlimited. Tommy, you have this app. Uh, so I gonna, do. I'm going to ask if you noticed that apparently they pulled the majority of the Hulk series off of there. I had not noticed, but I did read online where people were talking about that. I'm not sure what is up with that. Uh, apparently, uh, this run, which had some 300 issues, is down to just like 44. And, oh, wow. And pretty much all the Peter David run is gone, with the exception, I think, of like maybe three wow. issues. Um, yeah, I, I, I read online some people... Um, some people complaining about. I was going to say, and there is the, nobody's raising hell about that. Probably, arguably, one of the best runs on the Hulk ever. Oh no, yeah. they're raising hell. Oh no, they're raising hell. <laughs> oh, I can really say, but because I, I know I'd be one of them because I really wasn't. It, it was kind of like with with the Hulk. I love reading um, Sal Buscema stuff back in the day, but I really didn't get on the Hulk and really get at, um, hooked on reading the Hulk until I started reading Peter David. Right, and and I just kept kept right on with it, especially with the um, the Professor Hulk run right. when he was with the Pantheon, and uh, wow, they pulled. Well, he him. also isn't he the heir of Joe Fixit? Wasn't that his? Yeah, yeah that's yeah, that him too. I mean, you could easily make the argument that Peter David probably saved that title. No yeah, doubt, he did. no doubt. I, I mean, yeah, I don't think it's a real argument to make. I think it's a given. I mean, yeah, I don't he think did. he was in danger of being canceled, but it was definitely waning until he took over. Yeah, I mean, that's when he you know, some, of, some over, of the best Hulk stories are by Peter David. Exactly when he took when he took over the writing, and then when he brought John Byrne in for that little minor run, and there was a, a standalone Marvel fanfare story that um, that they I think he and uh, Byrne did. Which was um, had um, Anvil and Hammer in it, I think. Right. The two guys that were attached to each other. Good stuff. But you know what? I just had a thought. And I really, really hope that, that I'm onto something here. I think maybe the reason they took all those issues down is maybe someone is doing research for a Hulk movie. And, and they want to be able to have unlimited access to read everything. So. And so, they and they don't want and they don't and they don't want their scripts or their story ideas to be out on the public and have someone figure it out. Right. So it could very well be that hey, pull them all down so I can read them privately um, and get an idea where we're going. So here's the thing though about Marvel Unlimited. I have, like you said, I have Marvel Unlimited and I love it. 
absolutely love it. It's fantastic. But they do, it does have some problems. Um, probably the biggest one is reprints. Um, they have pretty much every X, Uncanny X-Men title on, on there. Great. So why do you also have classic X-Men on there? Right. Uh, yeah, because and the same thing with like what was the, the Spider Man reprints? Marvel Tales. Marvel Tales. Right. Yeah, Mar- Marvel Tales is not on there, but they do have like Amazing Fantasy fifteen and the Amazing Fantasy fifteen facsimile edition. Why? Well, that's just silly. Why? And well, and was especially silly because they don't reprint the ads. So <laughs> why? You just have Amazing Fantasy fifteen on there. Twice. Well, that means well, Avengers then, Classic is on there. Well, I would Again, reread the shorter why? version then because I, I can skip through the ads. Well, well, the ads aren't on there, so they're both the oh, same. They're oh. so, so they're both the same number of pages. That's oh, gotcha. crazy. So, so why? Uh, yeah, why? Well, do here's you have the thing: these reprints the, on the Amazing Fantasy 15 facsimile is it the remastered one? It's whatever one just recently because came they're out. they're yeah. not the when they're putting the originals up in digital, they're not doing remastering, recoloring, and all that, right? Aren't they printing them as they are? Yeah, they're pretty much printed as, as they are. I mean, so I guess maybe, it could give you a little bit better maybe color. If you but wanna, again, if you want to read the remastered and you know the recolored, I can see why, but. But who cares about that? Right, same story. Um, Don't by put the a way, on there. Uh, I'm a bad Randy. I totally forgot. We do stream this on YouTube, guys. So anyone out there watching, thank you very much. If you are listening to us live, go to the YouTube feed because we do a little segment here called our um, show and tell where we show off some stuff from our collection. And uh, we got some good stuff. Um, in fact, a couple of them are actually in with tonight's topic. Um, other news story that I was saving for last, and I save saving for last because it's the last one on my thing. You might have more. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and just touch on it, and then I'm going to let Enos take it. Um, we would like to send our condolences to the family of Tom Lyle, who passed away at age 66. We actually did report, and of course it was everywhere a few months ago, that he was in a coma following some surgery. Um, go ahead, Enos. Yes, indeed. We, as comic fans, really lost a true legend uh, last night with the passing of Tom Lyle. Uh, a lot of us were exposed to him in many different ways, arguably. Everybody came to know who he was when he um, did the first of many, many series that introduced uh, Tim Drake as Robin, and we saw him develop into the great character that he was. Um, Chuck Dixon did the writing, but Tom Lyle was one of those artists. uh, One of the things that a lot of people do not take in consideration when it comes to comic books is that if you have an artist who can tell the story without words, you got a hell of an artist. And Tom Lyle was that artist. He, He made his work was so good. You would buy books that you would normally wouldn't buy. For example, when he when he cut his teeth was introduced to us on the Starman title, I bought that just because his artwork was great. He did the comic for the Impact Comics was which um prior to that, which introduced some of the Archie superheroes to the, the DC, fly, the fly, the, uh, shield. the shield, the hood, and um, the one that Tom Lyle worked on the comic, um. But he was so much more. He was also a professor that taught art as well. Yes. And I was friends with him on his Facebook page. And there were a lot of people, of his students that is, who really loved and respected him because he, they say he was that great of a teacher. So not only did the realm of comics lose a great artist, but... They also lost someone that carried it over to the next level and helped lay the groundwork to groom the up-and-coming artists for tomorrow. A lot, a lot of people lost their mentor. Yeah, yeah. And I, for one, I was in the Gulf War when the uh, Robin series came out, and I just could not put it down. And um, he had a run-on detective, had a run-on Batman, because he. it was almost like you knew that Tim Drake was his baby, so to speak. Well, you know who else he co-created that I really loved? The Scarlet Spider? Not Scarlet Spider. um, Stephanie Brown. Brown, That's right. Who was originally with Spoiler, and then she became Batgirl, and she was even had a a brief stint as Robin. And Robin as well. So so Tom uh, Lau gave us some great, great art, some great, great stories, and some great, great memories. And uh, to say that this man is going to be missed, is truly an understatement. Absolutely. Um, in fact, our friend Troy at Flashback Comics was a friend of his as well, too. Oh, great. I, I was just here today, and Troy said, are you guys going to talk about Tom Lyle? And I said, it is the number one of my news items. Right. But, 
And um, also, if you look on the Batman Yesterday, Today, and Forever page, I posted a tribute um, to Mr. Lau by the one and only Walter Simonson. And uh, there is a, I will post this later on the page. There is, um, I think Walter is drive, um, diverting everyone's attention to, um, a, I'm not sure if it's a GoFundMe page or something like that to help his wife Sue with the with the hospital, with the hospital, um, with, 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 with the hospital um, expenses. Expenses. Thank make you. Make sure Doc. make sure we post that on our Facebook page as well. Okay. Cross and uh, guys, it, it it just drives home the fact that you know enjoy your life. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you, Enos. Thanks. We man. did lose a huge talent. Um, I also, but let's talk about some of the new releases. Moving on. Uh, so there's a couple that came out this week. Um, Tales from the Dark Multiverse, Blackest Night. Those books have been fantastic, so I really can't wait to see where they're going with this one. Um, Batman White Knight, if you are a fan of that whole um, miniseries from uh, Sean Murphy, uh, Von Freeze number one came out today. Um, it's just a one-shot. It's not going to be a regular series, but it's going to be Victor Freeze of the Batman White Knight world, so that should be pretty good. Um, Deceased Hardcover, which I don't know if I previously mentioned that, yep. but go pick that up, please. Yeah, we plugged that, but yeah, definitely pick that up. Um, this is one that I know we talked about a while ago, and I actually forgot the title was coming out until I saw it out there. Question, The Deaths of Big Sage, number one, came out today. That's one I want to check out, too. Um, I think it's a four-part series. And another one which has me intrigued, I forgot to look for it today, Infected Scarab, number one, from DC. Now, here's what I'm thinking. You've got the whole thing with the Batman Who Laughs and the infecting of uh, the DC universe, like King Shazam just came out. Mm -hmm. Is Infected Scarab the Jamie Rise Blue Beetle? Could From the well looks be. of the cover, I would say it is. So that that looks like that could be pretty interesting. Can you imagine the scarab being affected with the wow. Batman Who Last Fires? Wow. So yeah, that's that's got potential to be huge. Um, Marvel, and I don't know why they decided to revisit this line. It just boggles the mind. So twenty ninety nine Alpha number one came out today, along with Fantastic Four twenty ninety nine. Uh, I don't seem to remember those series doing that well the first time around. Why you want to beat that dead horse? I think it's. I mean, seriously. I think what it is basically, it's it's a gimmick because. Oh, it was a gimmick, all right. Well, well, here, well, here's the thing. This year, Marvel celebrated 80, 80 years, years in business. 80 years from now will be 2099. Oh uh, wow! Yep. Look at you doing the math. That's that's why that that's why they're relaunching the okay. line. And on top of that, what was cool about the Fantastic Four? 2099 every all of the 2099 um books were all future versions of these particular characters except the ff one. was the was the actual except was of uh, the ff is actual ff went back in the future and fought crime in the future and i was like wow okay wait the, the, the ff 29 of however many years ago yeah i don't remember that then i remember those one character wasn't that was ravage yeah yeah, that was he was a brand new character. Yeah, he was a brand new the best, character. If know, I'm not mistaken, he was a Stan yep, Stan Lee creator. Stan Lee yes, creation. he was. The best, you know, the best book out of that entire run the first time around was Doom 2099. Yeah, uh, but anyway, didn't Pat Roderick do the artwork on that? I believe so. I have a Spider Man 29, but I, I number one, the Miguel O'Hara, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. I seem to remember though that that series or that whole line just didn't do well. It fared about as well as M2. Remember M2? Oh. <laughs> Right now, there's other listeners going, oh, God, I remember M2. Uh, and also, Deadpool number one came out today. Again. Hooray. I, uh, I'm lost on this. Wasn't there already an ongoing Deadpool series? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it ended last month. Oh, okay. I totally missed that. Yeah. Remember, I ranted about that hey, on here. Um, Tommy talked about that. I ranted about it, yep. It grinded my gears. Oh, it probably did, yes. Uh, also, this came out last week. If you guys haven't picked it up, I would recommend go to your comic shop, see if they still have it. Far Sector Number 1. Yeah. That was actually a good read. I liked it. Um, what the thing that's really interesting is it takes place in a sector of the Green Lantern universe that is so far out there they haven't even given it a number. Wow. Um, it's an alien race uh, investigating the murder that I guess there hasn't been like violent crime on this planet for eons but the Green Lantern that's investigating it is noticeably human and she speaks as if she's from Earth hmm. so I can't wait to see how they're going to tie that in but yeah far section number one guys go out there and grab that if you haven't that was a pretty good uh, book I liked it I was, I was impressed um, right now we got a special guest in the audience who's going to pay our bills pay them bills ha 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 ho ho ha ha Good evening. Flashback Comics. Hmm, interesting. 
This evening's episode of Lost in the Long Box is brought to you by Flashback Comics. Located on 3112 PS Business Drive, just off of Smoketown Road in Woodbridge, Virginia. They have an array of new comics, back issues, trade paperbacks, toys, and statues. The hours are Monday through Saturday. Saturday. 10 a.m. to 6.30 p.m. and Sunday. Sunday from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. When you go in, tell Troy, Lost in the Long Box sent you, and ask him, you know how I got these scars? <laughs> I was noticing you even doing the lick clipping there. Yeah, that, you got to. You got to. Got it down, right. man. Oh, no. That was probably, oh, no. Oh, no. What, what? Well, the podcast is still going, but it looks like the video just went out. So. All right. We're good. And I was just about to go to show and tell, so right, should so, I? Yeah, give it a second. Give it a second. Yeah. So, oh, we need a Jeopardy theme. <laughs> I was joking. Oh, Don't go ow, into it. Ears. <laughs> My right. limited musical skills. So while we're waiting for the video feed to come back up, I'm going to quickly organize the show-and-tell comics here. Um, hmm. I didn't realize I owned all these. Wow. So. Oh, I, 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 I do own that one. Yeah, you own those Batmans. Oh, I, I own these X-Men. No. <laughs> See, Tommy got I it. I think not. <laughs> Tommy knows but, exactly where that was going. Uh, so I, I, what, I, I have to tell you a story about the one you brought in for this week, Madman. So, oh, there's a lot to say about that one. Uh, is there a video? Well, no, I mean, it's a brief scenario. It's like, uh, are, we, are we back yet? Are we back? Are we like there yet? Are we there yet? Hey, I, I see oh. me. In a, we're back. I see me. Okay. I see Randy. All right. So, first up, continuing Randall's run of Batmans that was given to him by, <laughs> I know everybody's like, Jesus, are you going to run out of these damn things anytime soon? Um, and again, if you guys haven't heard the last few episodes, I was um, given a, a very nice run of Batman and Detective Comics back in the uh, late 90s by a, a woman who and her husband were divorcing, and they ended up being in beautiful condition. Batman 295. Oh, that is a pretty cover. Oh, yeah. Another great book. And, I mean, all these things are just, I, I don't want to say cherry, but, you know. Yeah, that's a pretty book. Jeez, they're all, they're all pretty. Every yeah, single are. one of them. And then... Batman 296. Nice. I like that scarecrow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty. Jeez. It's like they were never touched. I, I, all right? Because I almost asked her, did he like just throw them in a case or right? something? And I think, wow. I, I, and I'm not, I think when I got these books, the first thing I did was put them in these nice mylars. Yeah, those are nice. Bags. Because I'm like, damn, we got to take care of these things. Hell yeah, yeah. And all it, right. it, it shows you, you've, you've really taken great care of them. So tonight's theme is going to be time travel. So in keeping with that, we have some show and tells that fit into that, although this one doesn't really qualify as time travel, but it's just science fiction enough that it probably is fitting. Um, Tommy brought in the the one Crisis on Infinite Earth books. Actually, there's two of them you should own. This is one of them. Number seven, The Death of Supergirl. I bought that one. I was going to say, no, that's Enos. That's not me. Oh, I'm sorry. This is Enos's book. That's My Enos's bad. Book. Yeah, that's uh, one I, I really want. Um, if... The, the two most pivotal books out of this series are The Death of Supergirl and The Death of the Barry Allen Flash. How could you kill these As, legs? Well, especially since everybody was up in arms when Supergirl died. And a lot of us who have been reading comics for years went, well, you weren't reading the damn title when she had it. Why right. do you care exactly. now? Exactly. Um, so am I adding this one too? You, if you like. But here's the... But, oh, buddy. Well, you know in, why? In, interesting story behind this one. This is the actual... That's the first printing. I bought this just before I left to join the Air Force in 1985. And I took, uh, I was lucky and got took, and I took good care of it. I put it in the bag and boards. And as you it's in see, nice condition. I was going to say. Yeah, that's a pretty good. book. Yeah. So what's funny about this is, is I remember you're reading this one, you know, Supergirl dies, you're thinking, damn it. And then, what is it, like the very next issue, you get like the final fate of the Flash, and right. you're like, quit it. Barry's right. gone what are you right. doing? Right. And you're speaking of that, that ties in. Flash issue number 350. Now, you may be asking, well, how, how does this tie into tonight's theme of time travel? Because somewhere down the line, uh, we found out that Iris West was actually from the future. Her parents were born in the future. How did she end up in the past? I don't remember. 
I can't remember, but I think but, it was her magical short skirt. But probably, yeah, it's an incredibly short skirt. Good lord, you say that as if it's a bad thing. But anyway, <laughs> in this storyline, um, Iris West supposedly dies. I mean, and this thing went out for like maybe. 40, 50 issues, that whole storyline with the death of Iris and the right. trial of the Flash and, and, and all yep, of that. And, all, and that re- um, was the last issue where we discovered that uh, Barry went back in time goes, with Alec. Um, no, he goes um, into the future. To, I mean, and goes up into the future with Iris, and uh, the groundwork is laid for what we thought was his demise in con- um, right. Crisis on Infinite because Earth. I, well, that brings a good point, because all the flashback sequences where Barry shows up to people saying that the world's in trouble, those take place after his series has ended. Yeah. So there is no Flash series. He's supposedly in the future, and now he's popping up in the past, warning Justice League, warning Teen Titans that, you know, he's out, I can't contain him. And you're like, what? What are you talking about, Barry? Um, so, yes, it's a great issue. Now... And I know one of us, if not all three of us, have got this on our list of talking about. Um, probably one of the greatest time travel stories out there, and I'm not going to get too far into it. X-Men number 141 that Tommy brought in. Lovely. With X-Men 142. Iconic covers. These are the Days of Future Past storyline. Yeah, I'm not really, I've never really been sure which one, I, which one of those covers I liked better, 141 They're or 142. Both excellent, I yeah. love this one. I, I, I love them both. That, well, that- but that, that image of Wolverine getting blasted, blasted by the by Sentinel is yeah. pretty amazing. Well, I think that the one with shows the, like apprehended, slain, all that kind of stuff, it's, it says so much about the story within. You know? right. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Oh, yeah. 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 And let's face it. If you weren't reading X-Men at the time, you picked up this book when you saw that cover yeah. going, oh, crap. Yeah. Everyone's getting killed. What's, what's up with this? Yeah, so. Why is Wolverine so old? Right. These, these are actually, um, they're okay conditioned. And, um, I think 142 is actually a little bit better. 141 looks like it's been lo- a little loved. Yeah, I got a good price on oh, them, though. I mean, well Years read. ago. I've had them for, forever. So, but yeah, those are good books. And then, so Madman, here's what's funny. Uh, I was at our friend's flashback today, picking up my pulls, and he had his book on his shelf, and I'm thinking, I don't think I have that one. Justice League number 95. <laughs> and I said, I need to pick that book up. I don't Justice have it. Justice League meets their match. A <laughs> black guy with a guitar. <laughs> <laughs> and this goes back to that whole social awareness arc era, right? I, yeah. I want to, yeah. Yeah, yeah in this time, is like there was a lot of, like, uh, I guess, social justice kind of things going on in comics. Well, they were setting up Green Arrow for the hard-traveling heroes yeah. and Green Lantern, obviously. And, I, you know, I think it was, it's cool and stuff like that, but, I mean, it was, you know, it was the 70s, you know, and you get right. these stereotypes, this hipster... You know, hep cat, black guy with a guitar, mesmerizing people. Right. You know, he look he looks oddly like the the hippie from that Star Trek episode with Walter. <laughs> but I yeah, got the inspiration from that. Oh uh, well, it depends. I'd have to check. We'd have to check the year to see who did it first. But it just shows you like how what different times those were. You know, absolutely. Um, even though I still remember, and I had one issue of it, and I finally had it graded and sold it, that whole Wonder Woman I Ching thing, which is, again, back into the whole women's liberation movement, and uh, oh, yeah. we need to get with the times and, and feature a character who doesn't have any superpowers. So that's a good one there. Yeah. All right, so tonight we're going to talk about the, te- the best time travel stories in comics. we got a couple of them out there. Um, I'm going to start off with one that I really like. Um, and ironically, I know that I've talked to people about this story before. I've even have told my wife about this one because it's it's really a great story, and it's only like six pages. So, way back in uh, in the eighties, maybe the late seventies, DC resurrected their um, mystery in space title, and in issue one fourteen, there's a great story by Jerry Conway and Tom Yates called "Killing Time," and in that story. Um, the whole premise is a time traveler goes back in time and successfully um, assassinates Alfred Adolf Hitler. Oh. With mm-hmm. the, obviously, the assumption of, you know, just traversing in history never needs to ha- never been uh, happened. The problem is he gets captured and the Nazis take his weapon, which is, of course, uh, a sophisticated laser beam gun, and they reverse engineer it. And so then they kill him. So what ends up happening is the story ends 
which you see in time prowler after time prowler after time prowler in the succession all assassinating one another. So the Nazis shoot him, then that, that one shoots the next Nazi guy, and the guy behind him is another Nazi. And I just remember that being a really great story because what you find out is because he killed Hitler and the Nazis reverse engineered his gun, they take over the world. Yeah. And so now it's this very dark dystopian um, future what they're trying to fix by going back and stopping all the original assassinations. Yeah, that's why nobody went back and ever goes back in time and kills Hitler. Right, because yeah, you, you see it, what happens when you do it. Well, right, because it's a nightmare. Butterfly effect. <laughs> mm -hmm. All right, so that's my first one. I'm going to pass it over to Enos. Well, I've always liked um, like watching um Adam. I, you and I talked about this guy a lot, Adam Strange, and they've they've just recently relegated him to a being a time traveler. Correct. Not so much a time traveler, but right. Well, they well uh, they did it just now with the the uh, the Krypton. With the Krypton I should say, says, yeah, okay. he was a time traveler in Krypton. Right. Okay. But but my favorite is um, and someone I wasn't too crazy about at first. I really bought the book because I like Dan Jurgens. I like Booster Gold. Maybe, he just stole Tommy's. <laughs> <laughs> because because Booster is like, you think this guy is from this time, but he's from the future. And isn't he um, Rip Hunter's son? No. Okay. He is Rip Hunter's dad. Rip Hunter's father. Okay, that's right. Yeah. That's right. That was that was a crazy issue, too, in that series. Yeah. With, with, because it, it it was great because it was the, um, th that came right after the, uh, the 52 Maxi series. Um, that's when I really started to get into Booster Gold. I didn't. I I have his first appearance, but I didn't read his original series. Exactly. I didn't really get into and, him until I really didn't get into Booster Gold until they paired him up with the Ted Cord Blue Beetle. And um, and, and in the series, the the one that came out of Fifty Two, mm -hmm. you know, Booster's going you know back and forth in time, and basically you know pulling a Sam Beckett and putting things right that you know once it wrong and stuff like that, and you know fixing the timeline and everything. And in the beginning, Rip is just riding him, and you th you think it's just because you know booster is just this total screw up you know right anything to <laughs> anything to promote the booster gold brand right yeah. and you know he's because he and and he's being the you know the greatest hero you've never heard of and you know and slowly but surely booster is becoming this confident you know competent hero right. he's becoming a great guy and he's really relishing what he does and then at the end of one issue he sends booster off on a mission and he's just standing there with his arms crossed like this and he says go get him dad uh, like yep. wow! Yeah, it's like whoa, right? Yeah, I, I don't know if that's still the case in Rebirth. If he's still Rip Hunter's dad or not, I hope he is because think, that was yeah. a great, great. It moment. was a great storyline. Oh my god, yeah. yes! And the, that one that, that that falls in the category of one you never saw. Coming. I never saw that. Coming. Nobody I, I saw was that. Not expecting he's a, that. <laughs> he's also has a really great role in um, Heroes in Crisis that came out last year. Yes. <laughs> so yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, I love me some Booster Gold. I've said it once on this show. I've said it a hundred times on this show, and I'm going to say it again. If anybody out there from D.C. is listening, whether it's Jeff Johns, you know, Randy's man, Tom King, Dan it Didio. doesn't matter. Dan Didio. Give me some more Booster yes. Gold. I need a Booster Gold series. You know what's really great about him in um, Heroes in Crisis? You almost get the impression from book from the very first book that he knows what happened, but he just hasn't said it yet. Did he, yeah. You know, yeah. we need Michael Carter back in a regular ongoing series. I have a I question, guys. Do y'all? I have. A, I I've always wanted, always wondered this, and now that I'm on here with you guys, I'm going to ask it. Do you think DC screwed up when they killed off Ted Cord? Absolutely. Yeah. i okay. Good because yeah. I would because I was like okay. Not feel better now because I I thought I was the only one because when when they did that. I just stood there. I literally stood there with my with the book wide open, like, "What the hell are y'all doing?" <laughs> so here's something I would like to say about about Ted and and everything too. You know, I've given um, our boy uh, Keith Giffen Geffen yeah. some hard times on some of the stuff he says. Matter of fact, that Booster Gold run that we're talking about is the run that gave us Estrogena that we talked about earlier. <laughs> oh my god! Right, Estrogena? but but the blue and the gold, you know that that was him. <laughs> you know that was him from Justice League International, and that was a great pairing. Right, you know because what what I what I think of you know Booster, I think of Ted, and you know vice versa. 
Yeah, what what was it? Cord Industries was in Supergirl, the TV show, right? Yes, I think so. And, yeah. and as soon as I heard Cord Industries, like, are we gonna get Booster? Are we gonna get Booster? See, give me Booster. Well, here's what sucked about the death of, of Ted Cord because they do that in Countdown to Infinite Crisis, right? Mm-hmm. Is he's told everybody, by the way, something's not right. Maxwell Lord's dirty, and nobody listens. Nobody to listened him. to him. Yeah, it's one of the one of the things that happened during this run in, in Booster Gold, and this this was a key thing, and, and this was funny. This was funny. So I will give him credit for that. Te, uh, Booster goes back in time to meet up with the with the Justice League International. I forget which issue is in and what the storyline was. And he meets up with Ted. This is right before the Estrogena thing. Mm. And he meets up with Ted. And one of the ways that Ted is able to realize that this is the Booster from the future, because, you know, of course, he knows Booster's a time traveler. And one of the ways that he knows that he's the Booster from the future is because of Booster's receding hairline. <laughs> <laughs> he picks up on the receding hairline. And, and, and Ted says something to him about the Booster of the present. And, and he's like, no, I don't have a receding Caroline, you see Booster walking away, goes, look into getting some Rogaine. Mm. <laughs> so, all right, so Tommy, was that your time travel story too, Booster? Because... Yeah, I had Booster on there, so. Is it back to me? No, it's, it's me. It's my turn. Uh, okay, go ahead. So, so we're going to go with, with my comic books that I bought tonight, and that's The Days of Future's Past. Uh, absolutely. Uh, one of my all-time favorite stories regardless hands down still yeah. one of the best time travel stories ever oh, ever yeah, yeah. oh, oh yeah. yeah one of my you know, pro- probably my favorite x-men story and arguably probably one of the best x-men stories too i would give you yeah. that yeah got, got you, you got chris claremont the uh, the x the x-men scribe and the you know x-men this. scribe and of course you know john byrne and pencil you know, extraordinaire absolutely it was, it was a beautiful book to look at it was a wonderful book to read um yeah, I don't. If you for you guys have seen the the movie, this is different than the movie. The movie was yeah, good, it's better, it but, but it was better. <laughs> um, it's not Wolverine that goes back in time. It's Kitty. It's Kitty Pride. They 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 send her mind back in time to prevent the assassination of Senator Senator Robert Kelly. Um, you know, which sets off the timeline for the Mutant Registration Act. The mutants being murdered and rounded into camps, and you know, eventually being all killed off and the right. sentinels and the sentinels taking over and the world's on the brink of world war because you know nuclear war because of of the sentinels um the it alternates between 1980 which was the year that the book came out and the uh and our distant future of 2013 i was just about to say you remember you know what the future is in that book it's yeah. 2013 maybe it's six years six ago, years ago. <laughs> six years ago so so it alternates back and forth between them and it's it's Definitely one. If you're an X-Men fan, if you're a time travel fan, if you're a comic book fan, check it out. And you know this. Yeah. I have this trade paperback. I, I, I This is one of the first trade paperbacks I ever bought. I didn't have the original comics. I actually bought the trade paperback on a whim, and I have that at home somewhere. And love this story. I, and I was just thinking, I need. I don't have that in trade. I don't have those original issues anymore, uh, so I, I need to get another copy of it. You know what else is really great about this story? Hmm. Um, and, and let's be honest— no one really cared about Kitty Pryde till this story. No. no. She was kind of a throwaway character. This is a story where that character suddenly had merit. Yeah. Yeah. And some interesting facts about it. The series was named for the album Days of Future Past by the Moody Blues. Oh, God, that's right. Um, yeah. Nights in White Satin. Totally forgot about that. Yeah. So that's, that was pretty interesting. I didn't realize that till just now. Mm. And there was a sequel that came out um, in the 90s, Days of Future's uh, Present, which wasn't as good. It wasn't quite as good. wasn't quite, quite as good. But you know what they did say, too, and I think you read this in, a, in the article, they never revisited that 2013 world after that story. Uh, looks you like they may have... You don't, you don't see that kitty again, right? Um, no. I don't know, because it says Secret Wars 2015. I wasn't reading then, but it looks like they may have revisited during the Secret Wars storyline. Yeah, well, the, that Secret Wars, they basically pulled everything out of the trunk and, and threw it in there to kind of shoehorn it in. And this is Marvel Earth 811 if you guys are keeping track at home. 811. Not 616. 811. Huh. Was the, was Madden, the day, you got a time travel story you like? Uh, no. Uh, no. <laughs> I, I generally don't like time travel stories. I, I knew this about him. He's like, I, because, and I know why he doesn't like time travel stories. You ready for it? Because Whenever you do a time travel story, you're always going to write yourself into a corner where you can't resolve a paradox you created. Exactly. <laughs> or, or worse, you actually, you, you know, you publish something, 
and some you know years later somebody points out the logic error I've, you know in your time travel and you're just I've like, always told people stay away from time travel stories because they always have an error in it that one of the big I'm going to dig, uh, digress for, for just a minute one of the big ones that that I told everybody about and they just it was going over their head was in Terminator 2 keep in mind that there was no other Terminator movies at the time when we didn't think there was going to be any sequels at the end, Terminator 2, when they throw in a chip and they throw in the robot arm, what else should have disappeared? John Connor. Yeah, nope. I, yeah, I don't like that kind of stuff. So, See, uh, the only time I think it's effective is if it's a comedy. If it's like Bill and Ted right. movie or Hot Tub Time Machine, I'm all for that. <laughs> I love Hot Tub Time Machine. <laughs> of course, they're excellent <laughs> movies. And, um, and I think that it, it's, it's best used in comedy because you look at the future where Bill and Ted uh, this future uh, utopia that their music creates. It's right, just created so, world peace. It's so absurd. I mean, it's a wonderful idea, but it's absurd. And, and you know that that's, they're not taking any of this seriously. So have you seen Hot Tub Time Machine? I have died. The, uh, you, you should watch that. The great thing in that is Chevy Chase is a repairman who actually knows that they're from the past or from the future. I just got <laughs> so tickled with the trailer where they put the camera on Craig Robinson, and he goes, "It's a hot tub. It's a hot tub time machine." He is underrated as a comedic he actor. He, he is, is fantastic. He is yes. incredibly talented. Have yeah, you, he uh, is. So that reminds me. Have you seen the movie? Um, God, what is it? The one where they're doing with the end of the world, where they're all trapped in James Franco's house. I, I want to say it's called. This, this is, is the end. This, this is, is the, the end. end. There's a great scene where they realize that all the water is in the basement, but they can't get to it because there's no basement entrance in the house. So they have to go out. And remember, now hell is actually on Earth, and everybody's being taken away for the, the show of rapture. So Craig's character has got the the rope around him, and they're going to send him outside. He's going to go out to the the basement and get the water. He goes, "Okay, now if anything happens, you guys pull me back in." And he's like, okay, well, and uh, Seth Rogen, I think it is, goes, okay, we'll try him in, but you're pretty heavy. And he just goes, what? <laughs> 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 and you can see the look on his face, like, hell no, I'm not doing this. <laughs> and anyway, <laughs> wow. Anyway, one of my favorite time travel stories, and I know um, Madman's just going to cringe as soon as I say it. Um, and it's a very, very early one. Um, in fact, it's also the first appearance of a major character. Fantastic Four, number five. Not only is it the first appearance of Doctor Doom, but it is one of the best time travel stories in early Marvel, as far as I'm concerned, because they are, I think the title of the story is actually Prisoners of Doctor Doom, and he captures them because he wants them to go into the past to get Blackbeard's treasure for him. Yeah, you talked about that on a previous show. Right, I might have. But the part that's kind of really funny about it is they perpetuate their own... Um, history of Blackbeard when they go back in time and it ends up being the thing. Right. Because, you know, they're in disguise and he takes over the, the pirate ship. But what's really cool about it is they go back to get um, the chest, but I really loved the way Dr. Doom's time machine worked in this. It was just a platform that they stood on and when it was time for him to go, it lifted up off the ground as our bottom has disappeared. So it was like a dimensional displacement thing. I said, wow, that's, that's freaking brilliant. They didn't do anything big or fancy. It was just a platform that, when it levitated, displaced you in time. And same thing, when it came back, it appeared above me and came down. Go ahead, Madman. I see the look on your face. Well, no, I, I actually got one right now. I think one of the, my, my favorite time travel characters is Kang. The oh, oh, yeah. oh wow. And uh, I just love the, the idea that he keeps getting his butt kicked in the past. And he's thinking to himself, he's like, I have all this advanced technology. <laughs> I'm incredibly powerful. I've been ruled all of these realities. But I keep going to this one time and place. I, I can't history. seem to get past this hump. Because <laughs> <laughs> Thor and Hulk are there. And he's like obsessed with it. <laughs> he just keeps coming back. To this Doesn't King also turn out and become Immortus? Immortus later? and yeah. the Pharaoh Ramotan. Right, exactly. Yeah. So that's another great convoluted character. But in this Fantastic Four, number five, what's great is they get Blackbird's chest. And Reed says, okay, um, Doom didn't send us back these just because he wants a gem. So there must be something important besides their value. So they dump all the gems into the ocean and he fills it up with chains. 
So when they come back, and of course you find out that yes, there was mystical properties to the gems. But the thing I don't get is why he just didn't just kill them all right there. That, I mean, they managed to escape. But Fantastic Four number five, Prisoners of Doctor Doom, also first appearance of uh, Doctor Doom. That is a great comic. I love that story. If it's not deleted off of Marvel Unlimited, go out and read that one. And you know, if you guys would like to make a donation of your Fantastic Four number five to me, I would gladly accept it. I, I'm sure <laughs> yeah. it, it will get a loving home. Enos, it will what get do you a loving got? home. I had, um, as you all know, I'm a fan of uh, Marvel. Of the the Marvel Captain Marvel, when they gave Janice Vell his own series back in the early two thousands, there was a particular story I can't remember what number it was where he gets caught up in this time vacuum and he winds up meeting Marvel, meeting his father. Now a lot of people even, but Janice Vell was one of those characters you either loved him or you hated him. There was no in between, and I think that came due to the fact that I think they wanted. People wanted Marvel back, but they just needed to understand that you just couldn't bring a character like him back the way he left us. And they should have focused more on making Janice Vell his own character, and I think he probably would have stuck around because, like you said, when we were talking about him before, the, the original, when he first came out, you didn't like him because he was a slacker. He, he really didn't get any steam until the Avengers Forever storyline or miniseries with um, Kurt Busiek and Carlos Pacheco where he actually changed over and he became a more solidified character. But in this one, this one particular issue, um, he goes back in time. Marvell is fighting someone and somehow he gets, can't remember if it was a black hole or whatever it was, but he stands face to face with his father and then you see him like, you're, you're my father and um. I'm trying to remember it because it's been a while since I read it, but it was a very poignant story because he got the opportunity to see the father that he never met. Now, you said, um, you mentioned him in Avengers Forever. Isn't that also a time travel story? I want to yeah. say Avengers Forever was uh, also a time yeah, travel. And, yeah, and, and Rick Jones was the focal point of that um, since we talked about him last week. Rick Jones was the, was the um, focal point of, of that story. Of course. Yeah, but he what it was is more like he pulled these different versions of all these Avengers throughout time. Right, so, exactly. Uh, yeah, and they're stepping outside the time stream. So yeah, it was definitely a time, yeah, time, time travel. I, I, I'm only saying because I don't remember a whole lot of it because I, I want to say by issue two it was getting a little oh, convoluted. Man, it's so I was convoluted. Like, oh yeah, <laughs> and I'm oh like, yeah. I can't it, keep up. It 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 was over. I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I didn't read it till the last two issues because by the time the last two issues had come around, they told everything and everything started making sense. Well, I have a rule. If I have to start using a flow chart when I read a book, it's done. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't need a flow chart. Uh, Tommy, what do you got? Time travel. So we'll go for some, from some good ones like Days of Futures Past and your Doctor Doom storyline and everything to a stinker. Armageddon, 2001. Well, now, oh! well, now hold up. I'm going to defend. You go right ahead, but I'm going to defend the book. Yeah, this was not a good book. I'm sorry, Randy. It was not a good book. You go ahead. Go ahead. So this was, it was, Monarch was a character from the, from the distant future. It was a bleak dystopian future where everybody was unhappy. Matthew Ryder, who would become Wave Rider, finds out that this started back in the, in the in what was present it? day present day and goes back in time to 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 stop him. He finds out that one of Earth's heroes becomes a villain and goes down the path to becoming Monarch. Since Monarch is always in a full body armor, nobody knew who he was. And that's where it sounds good, but that's where it goes awry. Well, here's what here's why I'm going to defend the story. I love the concept because oh, yeah. it was a two part. The, the, the actual Armageddon 2001 was only two issues. Yeah, but you had issue one, and then the tale told out in the annuals of all the regular titles to be wrapped up in issue two, where it goes off the rails. And and here's the thing, um, listeners, this is before the days of the internet and forums. So for this to get out the way it did is nothing short of spectacular. Right. Um, it was supposed to be Captain Adam. Right. Which would have made sense based on the made, story. Would have made sense because remember, that book was failing anyway. And it's like, okay, well, if we're going to end the book, let's do something great with the character. The problem was somehow it got leaked that Captain Adam is going to be Monarch. So in order to fix that, they decided to make it Hawk from Hawk and Dove. Here is the problem. In the actual Hawk and Dove miniseries annual or series annual, you see Hawk die. So you're like, well, how can it be, you know, Hank Hill or whatever his name is because we just saw him die. Um, and then, of course, it's because Monarch pulled him to the future. And the other thing about this story, 
Monarch knows exactly why Matt Ryder's going back. He sends him back in the past on a, on a time experiment, doing so to get rid of him because he knows he's going to try and stop his rise to power. So I will give you your props. Yes, the way the series ended was, was shite. It was horrible. But concept-wise, I love the idea. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the, the concept and was there. some of those but they, annuals were from some great but they, reading. They picked, yes, they were. They picked the one person it couldn't be to be Monarch. Well, I'm going to play devil's advocate here. Of course. If you look, <laughs> if you look at Hank Hall's history and how he was that right on that edge, if you think about it, he was perfect. He was the perfect person to be that guy because he was always the hothead, always the he aggressor. He always had to keep his rage in check. And he always had to be the one to walk to be made to walk away from right. a fight. And he and he was at a point where you could tell, I'm getting tired of this. Right. And right after Don got killed in the Crisis on Infinite Earths, that's the other half of the Hawk and, original Hawk and Dove, he was he was just like right at the edge and just needed something to push him over. And I felt that he was a perfect character for it, but it's just like with the Punisher. The Punisher is a great character, but you don't but people don't know what the hell to do with him. Right. And this was a great opportunity to see a diff, see him in, in a different light, but they just went about it the wrong doggone way. Because it would have been good to see Captain Adam. But, you know, knowing Hank Hall's history, he would have been far more likely to be Monarch because of his temper. Because remember, um, before that, Dawn was always the one who pulled him off his ledge. Yeah. She was always the one calming yeah. him down. Yeah. So I could see where Dawn's death would push him towards being well, Monarch. Well, it just put him more... He, no, right. one, no one's there to ch- keep him in check. You yeah. Know? Right, exactly. The problem is... They did a, such a horrible job of putting the fix in yeah. when all it would have taken would have been a couple more pages of illustrations because um, you very easy could have had Captain Adam showing up at the end of it saying, okay, you realize in sending Matthew back into the past, you've actually changed your own outcome because I'm supposed to be wearing that armor. Who are you? Uh, exactly. And, and, you know, he would have probably made a much better monarch would have been, of course, if you just stayed with Captain Adam. Exactly. Exactly. You know, well, it's one of those things, yeah, it leaks, it gets out, whatever, it's still a better story, stick with it. And a lot of a lot of people have said, you know what, okay, it got out, at least we know, do it anyway. Yeah, do it anyway. In fact, yeah. you, you made a plea to DC about bringing back Booster Gold. DC, if any of you out there are listening, I know you had the unpublished artwork for this sitting around there. Give us the original version in a trade, we'll buy it. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it'll be a much better story than what we got. <laughs> All right. Madman, you got another time travel? Because I got one more that I want to pay. Well, actually, I got two more. One I actually want to give kudos to. Uh, no, I think I uh, you know, spent all my uh, chips on the uh, Kang thing. Okay. So one of the ones I want to bring up, um, not because it's a great time travel story, more than the fact that they do it all the time, starting with Adventure Comics 247 and the first appearance of the Legion of Superheroes. Ah, uh, yeah. yeah. If anybody's always traveling through time, it's those kids. Which just shows you what happens when you give teenagers a key to the car. They just—they're always going joyriding. Oh right yeah, it's like you know end, it. It's like the end of Deadpool too. It's, it's, it's uh, man. It's like you know. I guess I'm saying because you know we're Randy. You and I are close to the same age. You know, we bore witness to some great, great stuff in the realm of comics, and was like the Legion of the Superheroes. Superboy and the Legion of the Superheroes was that comic where you just. Couldn't pass it up because right. you know you 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 go if you didn't get it you're gonna miss something. There was so so many great characters Good in stuff it. Stuff in there. And when you're and when you are a teenager, that's a great book because everybody in that book is Your a teenager. Um, one of the best stories out of there. Uh, you know, we should actually totally revisit for one of our episodes, the Great Darkness Saga. That is such a great. Is story. that the one where um, Dark Side? Dark side, okay. Yeah, that's another great one. Uh, but another one... Well, and speaking of Adventure Comics and, and Legion of Superheroes, the best one in the group, of course, was Adventure Comics 303, the introduction of the great Matter Eater Lad. <laughs> so let us not forget about I him. I knew that was coming. Let us not forget about Matter Eater Lad. All right. I am now making a personal mission. I'm going to find Tommy and Matter Eater Lad action figure. Oh, yes. my on. God. So another one... And this one I'm actually mentioning because it's recent, and it's not just a story or, <coughs> or a group of stories. It's actually an entire series. Um, and Enos, you may have actually read this one. 
Um, from 2012, the all-new X-Men, issues 1 through 41. Are you familiar with this one? Oh, yeah. I, I'm going to give Brendan... Enos doesn't like it. I'm actually going to oh, give yeah. Bendis' props for this one because this takes place after the whole um, Avengers versus X-Men. Um, Beast goes back in time to get the original five founding members of the X-Men and bring them to the future, present day, to hopefully keep Scott from becoming what he does by showing his past self, this is what happens if you don't change your course. Wow. Go ahead. Oh, wow. This is the one where they bought. he bought the... Uh, I'm sorry, the kids from the past, right? Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. That was, I, I didn't get to read all of it, but it got off to a great start. It, it's actually a really good series. The problem is, it was great for the first 20 some issues when they're operating in the shadows and they're trying to stay hidden. Mm-hmm. But once they started doing that whole um, Age of the Atom miniseries and the crossovers, and it came out that, hey, this is what, you're me, but you're so young. And, and the modern day X Men learn about them. For me, that's where it went off the rail. Uh, but it was a great story, great concept. I just, unfortunately, it was one of those things where you knew, okay, at some point, they've got to go back, right? Yeah, at some point, <laughs> you got to send them back so they can, you know, grow up. But I really love that series. So uh, I would say pick up issues 1 through 41 of the first series of 2012 volume. Don't worry about the later ones after that because they kind of muddied the waters a little bit. But that was a, a great run. I like that one. Got anything else, guys? Uh, no, I had I had Days of Futures Past, Booster Goal, which was stolen from me, <laughs> and uh, and you know Armageddon two thousand one. I thought I had one. I'm going to touch on one that's not in comics, just because I really love it, and we got time to kill. Um, I really love Star Trek: City on the Edge of Forever, and look at the crickets going to the room. That's the one where. They find a planet with a time portal on it, and McCoy goes back into the past. Mm-hmm. And something he does keeps World War II, um, not from happening, but it delays America's entry into it. And all of a sudden, history has changed, and there is no Enterprise. There is no Federation. And they're standing stand on this planet going, what happened? Do you know this story? Is that the one where Kirk has to let the woman die yes, at the end? Yes, absolutely. Okay. They go in the past, and you find out that he saved uh, this woman named Edith Keeler. And by doing so, she creates a peace movement that convinces FDR to not enter the war. And as a result, uh, Nazi Germany develops that the uh, H-bomb first, and they win the war. Isn't that the one where, it wasn't the lady played by Joan Collins? Yes, it was. Okay, I, I remember it well. And well, speaking of Star Trek and, and, and time travel, you know, this one wasn't a time travel story per se, but it was in that original series, too. That's a, a, a favorite of mine, A Piece of the Action. <laughs> that's a great one, too. Oh, I love that one. The whole world grows up, you know, believe in that and, and the old 1920s gangsters myth. Hey, hey, that's, that's the book. What hey, the, book? the book? The crew from the Constellation left it. They hate us. Captain, um, I believe we found the source of the contamination. Mm. <laughs> hey, wasn't there a, uh, on the Justice League, wasn't there the Savage Time series? Where it was like, yes. yes. That, that is a excellent. great one. Where Vandal Savage sends, goes like, back and takes over Hitler. Yes. Yeah. What's, really, what's really great about that one, okay, we're going to do that. I'm going to put it on the slate for uh, a future episode. What's really great is they come back from their mission in space and everything's changed and there's an even darker Batman if you can believe that. Right. So they go back in time, they change everything. It's got that really great moment with Wonder Woman and the young Steve Trevor and what have you. But the part that's great is when they come back and the world's returned to normal and there's Batman the way they know him and Superman's like, Batman! And he picks him up and yeah. hugs him and Batman's like, yeah. did I miss something? Did I miss something? <laughs> yeah. um, another one that could qualify from the Justice League Unlimited series would be the Justice Lords. Yes. Oh, that's oh, a great yeah. one. That was another good that one. Was a, yeah. That's fantastic. Where, where um, they, they went back, they went into the future. Yeah, Flash died. And right? the Flash right. died, and it was like they found out that was the reason why they went right. rogue. Yeah. Well, it had to, well, that touches off that whole, okay, save it. We're going to do a show on right, Justice League Unlimited Animated. Yeah. All right, so thank you guys, everybody, for tuning in and watching. I uh, want to remind you, we do have our sister shows out there. Mad Men, every Tuesday night from 6 to 7, the Shot Monkey Radio here on FXBG Public Radio. Yeah. Um, Troy and Kevin do our uh, companion show, comicsonline.com podcast, Mondays, 9.30 um, to 10.30. I don't know if I should call it a companion show because we don't really associate. But anyhow, uh-huh. um, make sure you visit us on facebook.com slash lost in the long box. We do have a Gmail as well, as well lost in the long box at gmail.com. Drop us a line. Love to hear from you. Patreon.com slash lost in the long box. We'd like to see a little love there. We do have some exclusive videos as well for those of you who donate like $15. And you know what? You can actually get those if you just do a one-time donation. Don't do it every month. I can understand that money 
tight. We got our sister groups out there on Facebook, um, all of which were created by our man Enos over here. Batman, yesterday, today, and forever, and I think we are over nine hundred members. It's over nine hundred right? members. It's going to be a thousand by the end of the year. I can oh, see. Oh yeah. Um, realm of superheroes, comics, and pop culture, and gathered together the greatest superhero teams. If you guys haven't been to those pages, all three of those are absolutely fantastic. I recommend going out there and looking at them because they are discussing those very same topics uh, that they're named after. So until next time, we're going to be down here wondering if you put Doc Brown's DeLorean in the Legion's time bubble. And you put it on Dr. Doom's time platform, and you wrap it all up in a TARDIS. What does Bill and Ted's phone ring? <laughs> Why is that, Enos? Because we're lost in the long box. Yes, we are. Thank you, guys. Like, share, subscribe. Have a good night, everyone. Yeah.